Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, ragged edges. Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earl. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. This is episode 94. I'm here with Vicki Ziegler. Welcome, Vicki. Hi. <laughs> it's, it's great to have you on the show. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why I have connections with Vicki, but we'll find those out during the episode. Um, I've, I've been I've been really enjoying uh, what you do on um, through your uh, I've seen through your social media accounts and your um, and your blog. So it's really great to have you here. Well, I'm a great admirer of everything that you do online as well, Amanda, online and offline. I have right next to me um, a copy of Judith, which I treasure. And um, so I'm a big fan and it's a real thrill to talk to you. Thank you. So the, the first the first question I have, which is not on our list of questions already, is because we, we were talking about tea just before. So what tea, what kind of tea are you drinking today? I am drinking green tea in a teacup that my mother-in-law gave me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's a really nice, it looks like a bone china teacup with a pretty flower. So it is, it is. So it's it's a special one. I'm drinking a, a, a oolong tea, a, a milky oolong tea from my, my favorite tea shop in Ottawa, which is a, called a, called World of Tea, which is a really fantastic. And I'm drinking it out of this this cup, um, which I can't really show. Well, the audience will be able to see, but I've, I've referred to it before. It's a friend gave it to me and it says, write like a motherfucker. And it's from the rumpus dot net so um it's a black one and apparently it's hard to get the black one so but a, a number of years ago now a dear friend gave that mug to me and it was just like one of the one of the greatest presents to give me actually so i use it all the time and i i i take the lesson to heart so that's our that's our little tea the podcast in theory in my little opener i say it's it's it, it's about tea and i've so far i don't know if i've ever discussed tea on it but we i think i've discussed it but not in any kind of um, mindful way so that's my, my that's my tea that's my tea uh, conversation well the mug is great and you've now set a new precedent for <laughs> talking about tea <laughs> i might have to do it in future for the yeah. tea, or for whatever people drink i mean people can drink all kinds of things we're recording this in the afternoon on a thursday so you don't know what um what uh, what what's going on on a thursday afternoon um, so my first question i guess is what would you like listeners to know about you um, I am an average person. Um, I, I work, I hang out with my friends, I walk my dogs, I do all those things. But I think the through line throughout my life to this day and every day is a passion for words and reading. And I was thinking about the question um, before we met today, Amanda, and I realized even from an early age, when I was anticipating going to kindergarten, this was sort of a little bit of lore from my mother. I was apparently very concerned that I would be going to kindergarten not knowing how to read. Mm. So <laughs> I pressured my mother to help me at least get a bit of a leg up so I'd be I'd be ready for kindergarten, not knowing you really didn't have to read in kindergarten. I would like to find these books that she found for me, because they seem to have been a series of books, but just really quickly, they had pictures, they had lists of words, and you had to successfully identify the list of words before you could read the stories. Hmm. So the way it was designed is you had to learn the words, and then when you got into the stories, you would recognize the words. And I just remember being really enthralled with these books. And so from a very early age, words and the ability for me to take those words and absorb them and make them my own um, inform my life every day. And it continues to do that throughout um, my education, my career, um, and to this day. And now we have the opportunity, and we've had for many years, and you do the same thing, with social media platforms, we have a way of conveying our enthusiasms and everybody does that differently and they have different enthusiasms and if I can just throw out there to people what my enthusiasms are and it connects with somebody 
what reading means to me and what the beautiful words that people like you create, Amanda, what that means to me, if, if that can spark somebody else's imagination, that makes me happy. So my career has been actually largely in a form of communication. Um, I was a technical writer for many years. And I was a technical writer at the time that both the tools for writing and the platforms for conveying information were evolving through desktop publishing to online to the ways that we communicate now. And I countered in my career dealing with software and software platforms and, and the things I was documenting by still continuing to spend a lot of time reading in my off hours and going to things like the International Festival of Authors and poetry readings and all the rest. So but the two were simpatico, um, what I was doing during the day and what I was doing in my off hours was all, was all about words and communicating. Um, so again, that's been a real through line for me throughout my life and continues to be now. That's me. <laughs> that's good. And we'll, we'll talk about a couple of those enthusiasms in, in, uh, soon. About uh, kindergarten reading, I remember with, with my mother, I, I loved it when she read to me, and like I was like four, and she kind of got tired of having to read to me all the time. So apparently she taught me to read at that point. That was that was when. But my my brother and sister were 10 and 12 years older than me. So um, they they were always reading like everyone in the family pretty much read. And there were books all over. So I was like eight years old reading like well, trying to read like The Exorcist and all this other stuff and Harold Robbins novels and sort of like all this all this stuff. So, yeah, I had a lot of I. Always to me, when I would before I could read, uh, books felt like one of those adult mysteries that I didn't, you know, like not a, like a mystery of the genre, but just like a, a mystery about being an adult. So it seemed like a secret world, and I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to know about that world, and plus, it was such an escapist thing, right, to be able to read. Like it really, uh, it helped to to distract from various other things going on. So yeah, I, we share that love of reading. I'm sure lots of people who are listening to. I mean, I, I can't imagine listening to a a podcast like this if you weren't already reading so but maybe I don't know maybe. And, then, and the thing is there's so many different ways now to take in um, books and publications like you can have the audio books as well or you can you can do the the you can read the text and you can watch the adaptation of the of the novel into a movie like there's a lot of different ways to engage with literature and escapism in that way so I think there's a lot of possibilities there that's great so one of the things that you you're up to is you um, you run something called a silent book club, which, first of all, when I first heard that term, I was like silent, which I heard through you. I, I hadn't heard it before. A silent book club. Well, that, that sounds intriguing to me. So I'd like to know, um, uh, can you talk about it? How did you hear about the concept and what is what is a silent book club? First of all? Well, essentially a silent book club, it does have a silent component to it, but depending on the mix of participants in your club, and every club is different. There are many of them around the world now. Um, but the, the premise of a silent book club, I think more celebrates readers and reading than celebrates a specific book. But then collectively, and certainly in terms of how our group has evolved, we're celebrating books uh, as well. But unlike a traditional book club, where essentially there's assigned reading, right? It's 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 a monoculture of reading. Everybody in the group, whether it's four people or a dozen people or whatever, are reading the same book, thinking about the same book, asking questions about the same book. The difference with the silent book club and where it came from was the desire to companionably read together with fellow readers. So just people who like to read together. The original founders of the Sonic Book Club were a couple of ladies in California, Laura Gluhanic and Guinevere Delamar. And they were both at points in both their careers and their personal lives, um, um, having had children, um, taking mat leave, um, and feeling a little disconnected from a shared passion that they'd had of reading. So they decided back in 2012, just the two of them, that they would make time every week to the two of them would meet together in a bar near where they lived, bring their books, order their drinks, and just sit together and read. And that companionable silence, but that very rich silence of being with someone doing the same thing, um, was what compelled them. 
And it kind of grew from there. Some of their friends heard that they were doing this and said, hey, can I come the next time? And the group grew. And from there, it blossomed into a silent book club international movement. Like they ended up creating a website and, and encouraging other um, groups of friends and participants to do it. And they have, I think, over 300 chapters now wow. worldwide. Yeah. So they started that in 2012. I heard about it sometime in 2016, 2017, and it was sort of gelling in my mind. I liked that idea of you can read whatever you want. What we're doing is celebrating reading together. And that silence and that companionable togetherness and the idea of also going someplace where nobody's on the hook to um, feed you, right. clean their house so you're all sitting in a nice tidy living room. So you can go to a bar, you can go to a restaurant, you can go to a, a park, whatever, and just be together and read. Um, and then it just so happened I was in a park um, <laughs> at one point with some neighborhood friends. We had just done a yoga class out of doors. And um, one of the other yoga participants was complaining about how she keep, kept trying to organize book clubs and they would yeah. fall apart on her. And all of those same issues, people couldn't agree on the book or they resented the book that had been chosen <laughs> and people argued and, you know, you went to one person's house and they didn't even give you, you know, a bowl of chips to eat and <laughs> all that sort of thing. And I said, well, I read about this. And then I described what a solid book club was. And she said, that sounds like a great idea. Let's see if we can organize something. So how we first organized it was um, that lady from my yoga class and me and two of our friends, and we met in a local coffee, coffee shop. And we're in East End, Toronto, yeah. the Danforth. So we met in a coffee shop. Well, it was a combination coffee shop, vinyl records, and bookshop. Oh, lovely. Perfect, perfect setting. <laughs> so four of us met. And um, the one person who joined us wasn't much of a reader, but she was intrigued by the idea. And the, idea, the initial idea for us was, we'll read for an hour. So if you are a new reader or a lapsed reader or whatever, it's just an hour. It'll either help you get your reading mojo back, or if it doesn't, it's only an hour. We're not right. robbing you of much of your life. <laughs> one of the first four people who showed up she had to do some reading because she was trying to figure out a car repair issue and whether she could try to fix it herself or something. She bought a car repair manual. manual. Wow. That's <laughs> so the first meeting. <laughs> but it, it, people aren't reading from it, the books aloud or anything, right? They're just reading to themselves. And not they are reading to themselves. And Amanda, how it has evolved for our group, and I don't know how if, if groups in Brazil or groups in Singapore or groups in the UK are doing the same thing. They're all a little bit different. Um, but how our group evolved was at, we continued to go to that coffee shop up until the pandemic. Mm. And at times, we had up to close to 20 people at a time. And we would try to cap the meetings, both because we didn't want to take over the whole coffee shop Right. Um, but what we discovered was either before or after, sometimes both, people really wanted to talk with each other about what they were reading and what sure. others were reading. So it was sparking interest in and encouraging people to sort of expand their horizons in terms of their reading, not just get their reading mojo back, but maybe try graphic novels if they've never tried it or try science fiction if they've never tried science fiction or my on ongoing mission is to get people to read poetry. So we found that the conversations were becoming as compelling a reason for people to get together as yeah. the silent reading. So we put it together so that there was an hour for silent reading and up to an hour for conversation oh, and then okay. as the group got bigger and bigger we actually started capping the attendance in it so that everybody could have some quality time to talk as well as read wow that sounds amazing so how did you i mean uh, uh, how did you recruit members uh, did you were you talking about it already on uh, say twitter or something as well or putting up posters or what were you we, we didn't actually need to put up posters or anything. Um, after that initial group of four, we went back to our respective neighborhoods and we all live within walking distance of each other here in East End Toronto. And that's an interesting thing because that was pre-pandemic and some interesting things have happened to our group 
during yeah. the pandemic. But we basically told other neighbors who were in book clubs or frustrated with their existing book clubs. And we um, sort of casually, I guess, recruited people just from like a, a couple of my favorite readers are literally a few doors away from me here in East End Toronto. So we just all congregated at this at this um, coffee shop. And then it started going a little further afield. So um, a couple of, of um, ladies who just live around the corner for me, a friend of theirs in West End Toronto heard about it, was super jealous. And she said, I don't care that it's in East End Toronto. I'll drive over. I'll get on the subway. This just sounds so great. And wow. she became one of our most avid attendees. Now we have more far-flung attendees now. Since right. During the pandemic, we got on Zoom. But the idea was it really happened organically. And then after a few meetings, people started being really interested in the collective reading list. So I volunteered to start creating the blog posts, which you're familiar with, which list everything that was discussed. And that was also an expedient thing to do during the book club discussions, because in order to kind of have a nice flow of discussion, you didn't want to stop after every book and go, this book is by Stephen King. The publisher is this. You can get the book here. So I would listen and jot it all down. And then I, I would compile the reading list and get links to publisher information or reviews for everything after the meetings. And, and so I would say to people at the meetings, don't worry about catching the author or the title. I'll compile it all and, and put it up on my blog so you have something to reference. And that list has taken on a life of its own as well, because yeah. a lot of people have become interested, even if they don't attend our, our meetings, in the lists that we produce and they're very diverse lists. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. What are some of the kind of things that people discuss when they're talking about uh, their like talking about the books? Can you give us an example? Well, yeah, I would say um, in a nutshell, you get interesting little um, mini reviews. Of, of reading and certain people have become known as the readers of crime fiction or poetry or whatever. So they, they have become sort of the de facto go-tos if you wanna explore those genres or if you wanna know if the latest Louise Penny is as good as the last four. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if you're interested in reading poetry, what is something, here's what I sort of like, what can I dip my toe in the water with? What would you recommend, Vicki? Um, <laughs> so it's kind of worked out that way. What also has been great is that over time, we've built a really interesting, trusting community. So when people have frustrations with their reading, mm. especially during the pandemic, one of the things that became almost therapeutic about the Silent Book Club was a lot of people lost their reading mojo who were normally yeah. really avid readers. And so what were the entry points back into the comfort, the solace, the distraction, all the reasons why we go to reading that perhaps failed us during the pandemic. So in some respects, during the pandemic, we moved onto Zoom. Right. And that was a, a slightly uneasy transition for some people. But then a lot of people came to really rely on it. And we ended up, we used to have just monthly meetings when we went to the coffee shop, but we actually increased it to two times a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so two Zoom meetings. And occasionally we would still go to our local park where the original yoga class conversation went on. Um, and during nice weather, we would sit in the park, social distanced and all the rest, or even in the winter, Sometimes we would have a Zoom meeting, and then those of us who were within walking distance of the park would put our books under our arms, bundle up, go to the park, hold up our books, and talk about them until our feet got cold, and then we oh, go home. Wow. <laughs> That's a really sweet idea. It really emphasizes the idea of community as well, which is which yes. is quite lovely. Like in engaging with um, with people through through this love of reading. Uh, what about, um, so now that, so once it became on Zoom, did it expand beyond the sort of geographical borders? It did in very interesting ways, because since I was posting everything on my blog, I just decided as a matter of course, the original intent of the blog and the, and the list 
was a recap for the local group. But I thought it's on my blog anyhow. How much more difficult would it be for me to send out a few tweets and just share it with a broader audience? Yeah. So we started getting interest from other people on social media who were in different locations. And it was like, it, it, a Zoom meeting is borderless. So sure, of course you can join. And we still tried to keep the group to a manageable size, but we ended up inviting people from different places across Canada. And we have two regular attendees who joined us, one from Jersey City hmm. and one from pont prid Wales. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and the lady in Wales is a lady named Catherine Eastman, and she is a uh, a book blogger in Wales, and she she and I already followed each other on Twitter, and I can't remember whether I extended the invitation to her or she asked me about it, but she started attending. She's in Wales, and depending on um, you know the um, the time of the year, the time difference is like five or six hours. Yeah. But she, uh, we typically have one meeting a month that is on Saturday mornings. And, and a, the second meeting of the month is usually on a weekday evening. Okay. And even if it was 7 p.m. Eastern, Catherine would stay up till midnight. Because <laughs> she loves the group so much. Wow. So, so did you... Do you like do you sit there for an hour together and read on Zoom like you you just all sitting there reading, turning pages and like not talking or we don't some okay, clubs I do and in fact I, was... I joined I joined one once I also met a lady in Baltimore who runs um, uh, a silent book club there and I attended a couple of her Zoom meetings oh. and that included so they would have a little chit chat at the beginning and then everybody would mute and just stay on Zoom and. <laughs> I found that a little weird. <laughs> First of all, if I'm with anyone else at all, even a complete stranger, I have to talk. I cannot be, I mean, even the idea, like even I would have a hard time. I mean, even as a kid in class, I mean, I was always the one they had to like, you know, I got in trouble because I was always talking and nothing <laughs> has changed. So just even for me, the discipline of not talking when I'm surrounded by other people would be grueling for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, typically what we do with the Zoom meetings and what we do when we are able to meet live, because yeah. as you know, we have had a couple of interesting live meetings yeah. at the Great Escape Bookstore here in Toronto. Um, but what we do on Zoom is um, we, we have the talking part of the meeting and then we commit that everyone logs off and dedicates the next hour to reading. Right. And people seem to be pretty good at keeping that commitment. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a lovely idea. We do not have a chapter in Ottawa, and it's we yeah, don't. We do not. I looked on. I looked at least not listed on because there's a. Uh, um, I'll put up all the links um, at the uh, in the show notes on smallmachinetalks.com, including the one for the Silent Book Club, which lists all the all the various chapters that they know about. To my knowledge, at least not at least in the in the, in their records, there is no chapter. In all, oh, wow. Now that is a very tempting thing for me, but I, I don't know that I can do anything else but right now. But I mean, I, I would love to actually do that. I would love to have, um, there are many book clubs in Ottawa. A lot of them you can find out through, um, I, what is that thing? There's a meeting, there's something about, I think it's, it could be meetup.com. Meetup? Yeah. yeah, they have they have them listed there. But uh, yeah, the pandemic really, uh, it, it, it made uh, book clubs um, very uh, difficult at first. So I'm glad you're able to continue through Zoom. Do you yeah. think, do you now, like, are you now, now you just talked about, um, we'll get back to this, about the great escape where you've had two in-person meetings. I mean, the pandemic is still on, obviously, but um, are you are you thinking of uh, continuing with the Zoom or are you going to? We probably will. And maybe ultimately we will still have a two meeting per month format and have one on Zoom and one in person. We're kind of working through that right now because even some of our local attendees are still not 100% comfortable yeah, with meeting in person. So they're always, always or for the foreseeable future are gonna want a Zoom option. I've considered trying to do something hybrid, but for whoever is administering the meeting, it's very yeah. distracting. Yeah, it yeah. is. Hybrids, I mean, unless you, well, you might be have the skill to do it, but a lot of us, are, like for me in Zoom, I'm always afraid I'm gonna do something wrong and mess it up in some way or, I haven't at least put a, a cat 
uh, filter on myself yet, but uh, you, know, you never know that could happen in, in the wild. You never, never know. Um, so yeah, I, I think you, you could say, I, it sounds like the, the, um, the silent book club has been something that's really been um, good to have around during the pandemic. Can you talk about how it sustained you and the other members during the pandemic, perhaps? It has been everything from um, helping people and helping people at the pace at which they want to be helped to get back to reading, especially if they were struggling with um, distraction or even, yeah. no, you know, not, not to misuse a word like this, but I think a lot of people were low or depressed yes. or abandoning some of what would usually comfort and inspire them. So we did that very gently. And, and uh, I mean, I think most silent book clubs are also very um, inclusive and non-judgmental. What we're celebrating is reading. We're not saying you need to read this specific type of thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's not prescriptive. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and we do the same thing with how we share the reading lists, not to kind of go off topic too much, but I've started to add a note to the blog posts that essentially when I compile the reading list from our group, there's no other way to organize it except alphabetically. I, I, I can't think of another way to do it. There are so many genres, so many, some are, are you know, um, new editions of things, some are older reading. I think just alphabetical by author is the way to go. We also don't have any kind of a rating system, like our club oh, really yeah. loves this book, but really hated this <laughs> yeah. book. <laughs> because we've built some trust amongst our readers, you were asking before about, you know, kind of how people um, share and how that has evolved. In addition to people sharing things like I've lost my reading mojo or, or whatever, people uh, do you feel comfortable saying, I tried to read this book, I got 50 pages in, it's just not doing it for me, yeah. on to the next one. So they're as much happy to praise things and share things and recommend them as also to say, this didn't do it for me. And what's interesting about that is it doesn't necessarily scare off another reader. So one of the things I've started adding to our blog post is here is alphabetically arranged an exhaustive list of what either we discussed at the meeting or was shared by even readers who can't make a specific right. reading, still send me what they read that month to be added to the list. So even if they can't be there, their books are there. That's great. And I think the fact that all those books appear on the list means someone has given each of the books on this list their thought, their attention, and their consideration. And I think by that virtue alone, that gives the book some merit for your consideration. I, I don't know if that it is kind of... No, it makes sense. It makes sense. And I was also thinking that um, for writers, I mean... You know, I mean, it's it's kind of, I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm sure some of the people in the group, maybe they, some of them are writers as well as readers or who knows, um, yeah. but, um, you know, they could be. But I mean, for a writer to get any attention for their work at all, but to know that a book is read, is like, it doesn't have to be reviewed. I mean, reviews are also helpful, but um, depending. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just know that your work was paid, you know, read and treated that way. I think it's a nice, like, I, I think that's a lovely that's a lovely thing. You know, you, you posted um, pictures of uh, Judith in the, in the, you know, which was, which was nice to see uh, nice to see and, and, and a few other things too. So it was nice to see that as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that the benefits to reading together are, 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 are kind of obvious. I mean, what, what do you think some of the benefits to reading together are? Well, that solidarity, that companionship, as we've as we've used the word, it's it's a form of community that I think yeah. is very potent. I think it is also reading together is an encouragement for us. And I don't want to get overly sort of serious or overstating things here, but I think it is it's an encouragement and it's and a challenge to everyone at whatever level you think your reading is at to challenge your literacy hmm. to broaden your horizons if possible but at least look at words on the page or the equivalent of a page every day every week every month I think right now our literacy our ability to perceive information and validate 
understand or extrapolate from it is so critical right now, not just as comfort, distraction, tests of our imagination, whatever, but at a time when words are getting so twisted and bastardized, (laughs) our ability to read the word, to comprehend, to know when to trust and when not to trust, it's... It's so vital. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm making myself really clear, but I think yeah. doing yeah. that in a non-threatening environment around people who are your friends and neighbors, and I consider the lady in Wales a friend and neighbor too, even though I've never met her, but you know, that sense of community, um, to do that in a non-threatening environment and basically continue to hone your ability to comprehend the written word and comprehend its power yeah. is really important. That's 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 a really good point. And it's funny because when I think of book clubs, I always think of um, them focusing on fiction. But of course, it could be memoir, it could be political oh, yeah. nonfiction, all the car, the car repair manual could be anything. Right. So and especially yeah. and I think about uh, it makes me think of knitting circles, too, which uh, just because of that sense of community and people all. I, I, I took a knitting uh, workshop, well, class um, several years ago, learning how to knit. And the nice part of it, too, was where we just sat and knit together. Like it was it was a lovely and it wasn't there was no expectation of anything more than just just sitting there together. So uh, yeah. that's great. So you, you've had a couple of in-person uh, recent, um, um, meetings now at the Great Escape Bookstore. Can you talk about that? First of all, tell us about the Great Escape Bookstore. We've heard, I get, I'm sure lis- listeners have heard about it a little bit because I've, I've talked to Kirby. Of Kirby, Mar- yeah. Yes, a dear friend too. So um, yeah, if you could talk about uh, the Great Escape Bookstore and why you ended up there and uh, and what's, what's, what happened or what's some of the things you'd like to talk about with the, those? Well, the Great Escape Bookstore is is um, a much beloved bookstore. I mean, like it's been around for decades. Um, I'm, I think, I, I don't think the, the current owner has been with it for decades, but it has been a presence um, again in East End Toronto on Kingston Road. Um, so sort of closer to the beach um, um, here in, in Toronto. Um, and the, the current owner, Katya, has very resourcefully sort of blown out the walls of what a bookstore means. So it is a traditional used slash new bookstore. I would say the majority of the selections there are used books, but she does have a couple sections near the front that are our current new um, right. material. And and it runs the gamut. So fiction, poetry, nonfiction, um, can lit. Um, and she has a space at the back, which I think a couple, I don't know if she started this just before the pandemic or going into the pandemic, but basically she's at a corner, close to a corner, Kingston Road and Scarborough Road, that if you go around the back of Scarborough Road, there's a laneway. And a lot of the businesses on Kingston Road, which are two or three stories, so there's retail presence on, on the main floor. And there are things like apartments and offices on the second and third floor. And a lot of the access to these businesses and these apartments is through the back laneway. And there's a bit of parking and and some garages. And she took the garage behind her bookstore and essentially turned it into a performance space. Wow. So it still has all the attributes of this funky wooden garage. But she hosts everything from poetry readings to book launches to small musical events. And it's still a kind of a rickety garage, but she's decorated it really beautifully with lights and stuff. And it's just a magical place. And what's been nice during the pandemic is kind of its attributes is sort of a a little bit ramshackle. It's got good ventilation. (laughs) You can open the back garage doors and get good airflow in there. And, and so it's a great space for those types of events. And I had been to two or three that were um, knife fork book um, yep. events or book launches. And um, I think he's winding this up now. But Kirby also had a knife fork book, essentially a kiosk yeah. at the back of the bookstore, which leads to the back door. And then you go across the backyard to the, the little backyard where she's got this great little pollinator garden um 
into the garage. So Knife Fork Books and um, like Knife Fork Book imprint books, but also the books he sells through the Knife Fork Book retail presence. Yeah. We're in a kiosk at the back of this bookstore and he's got another location, which I think he has wound up in West End Toronto. Anyhow, all to say, I, I knew of Great Escape Bookstores. Some of my book club friends were already avid um, shoppers there. Um, and I started going there for some poetry readings and book launches and just thought this space was amazing. So we actually organized a mini silent book club um, day to just go and get coffee and go to the Great Escape Bookstore. And one of the, the ladies from the book club, I was showing them that the, the, the space wasn't in use at the time, but we walked to the back and I showed them the garage and they said, I go to poetry readings and book launches here. <laughs> and one of my book club people said, do you think she would let us have a book club meeting in there? Great idea. <laughs> and I went, that is a fantastic idea. So I immediately beelined back to the front where Katya was. And I said, hey. <laughs> and, and so that's what we did. We had uh, we had one meeting in um, July. And then we just recently had one like a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. And again, it's a magical space. And again, it, it's, it's a pandemic getting into post-pandemic I don't know what you want to call it yeah, uh, it's pandemic still, denial time yeah <laughs> pandemic denial is probably best I still want a safe place for Absolutely. us to gather so we can open yeah. the doors and um um and and still gather but keep our distance and be comfortable and and so that's what we've done and the great thing is the other great thing well of course is this is a book club yeah. We have to walk through a bookstore to get to our book club meeting. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> well, it's hilarious. The first time we got together, um, Katya's bookstore is about a 45-minute walk from where I live okay. and for where some of my book club friends live. So I thought, 45 minutes, that's great. Good walk. Get my Fitbit steps. Yeah. <laughs> I walked over there. And when I got there, one of my neighbors was already there, a um, little bit older, not as as active I guess as I am but after the meeting um she said you know what I'm I'm feeling up to it I'll walk home with you because she lives about a couple blocks from me as we were walking all of a sudden she starts kind of huffing and puffing and she said you know what Vicky I don't think I can keep up after all I might just have to get an Uber or, or whatever right. you keep going on ahead and I said come on you can do it well it turned out she had this huge bag of books I hadn't oh. noticed oh and I said oh Oh my god give me those books let's go <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah that sounds like a lot of fun I, I, i'm glad to hear that i the, the the first time i heard about the great escape was um connor mcdonald had organized this um exhibition and wanted um work to do with um uh, yes. so i had a he kindly invited me to participate and i um I, I guess there's a visual, I can't remember, one or two visual poems to do with a pandemic. Um, and so that was kind of, and it was neat. I got to see a few, a few people shared uh, on Instagram. The uh, I was one of yeah, them. I just realized you, now. Yeah, you shared that. So that was great. And um, it was really neat to, and again, it's, it's on my list. When I do eventually get back to Toronto, which I'd like to do some point, um, I really like to go there. That's that's definitely on my list of places to go. Maybe for we'll meet there, Amanda. We'll that's meet a there. great idea. We, yeah. that's, that's a fantastic idea, Vicky. I love it. That's perfect. So, so yeah, you were talking about the the reports. Uh, well, you were talking about the list of books that you do um, on on your site on your blog. And um, but the other part of the reports is a, you you have the list of of, of books. But I, I imagine that they help you and other members to also remember what you've read. Yes. And and also maybe encourage new members as well. But I like the fact that you have links to the books and you also have uh, book related content and you have photos as well, which is very neat. Too. I love the photos. Do the photos often they have your, your dog in the in the photo or someone mm -hmm. someone who's not local in the you know in the photo with their book or maybe a butterfly with the book or something. Yeah. Like it really enhances like the idea of the reading experience and stuff. So what can you talk about the role of the of the photos, especially and, and maybe the book related content as well? 
Yeah, well, and, and part of that, I think, was, again, a response to us being remote and virtual um, during the pandemic is that, although, of course, when we've gone to places like The Great Escape, I tend to take a lot of pictures as well because it's such a beautiful space. But when we couldn't be together, I encouraged um, all of our participants to send me, where are you sitting when you're reading? Um, who are you sitting with? what are you drinking? What are you eating? Just yeah. let's gather that together. Um, so you still have that sense of gathering together, even though we're separate. And even this, um, this summer, one of our book club people was in Italy for six weeks. Right. And she sent me pictures of her in Italy in front of bookstores and reading in a <laughs> cafe and stuff. So wherever you are, send me a picture. And it's, and again, you just sort of feel that sense of community, even though we're we're dispersed. A lot of the additional book-related stuff actually comes from our member from Jersey City, because she is a big New York Public Library fan, and she goes mm. to stuff like the Brooklyn Book Festival. So she's always giving us stuff from that part of um, the literary world. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I find that really interesting. I mean, I mean, just the idea of festivals is kind of we we um, the Ottawa International Writers Festival will be back in person masked events. This I mean, they're already they've already done a few events, but the festival itself takes place between the nineteenth and the twenty sixth of of October, and there are lots of and I'm I'm planning to go. I've already gotten tickets to uh, several because I know that they sell out in and, yeah. and the place like they you know they do they make all the precautions that they can and stuff like that but I'm really look I've already gone to a couple like I went to see Heather O'Neill um who I love I love Heather O'Neill and I love I've read everything I think I think I've read all of her books including her poetry books so I've read I've read everything and I just I just love her writing like it's incredible so it was such a nice thing just to sit there and also Joshua Whitehead who I love as well so this is just I mean I'm a fan of writers as much as I am a fan of of books and stuff so like the writing community I like to I like to hang out with another we did a lot of hanging out at this now but um because of the pandemic and everything but still I just the whole idea of festivals is kind of but I think this is what you what you're doing with the silent book club and others in other um, chapters is it's a kind of a fest it's a reading festival so it's I think a reading festival and it's a celebration of reading and a celebration of the yeah. books without kind of zeroing in on or proscribing what is the correct thing for you to read yeah well, I think that's really neat the another thing that you're doing um is something called Today's Poem, which is, um, I guess, a hashtag on Twitter, which is the primary, and also it's on Instagram. Is it on Instagram as well? I can't remember. It is, it is, yeah. And But although on Instagram, you get more of people using, and, and I don't claim to have actually invented the, the hashtag in either right. environment, but just started using it fairly consistently. On Instagram, the Today's Poem hashtag, you get a lot of people publishing their poetry. Right. Um, so so, so yeah. B Poet has screen capped their their poetry and put it on Instagram versus the way I, I tend to use it on both Instagram and, and Twitter. I'm not a poet myself, so I'm not going to be publishing my own work, but but I'm publishing every day or promoting every day what I've read or what I've discovered. Right. So, and but you have to do it within a, a limited number of characters. So it's you kind do. of, you can do a thread and stuff like that. So, yeah. So can you, can you um, talk about what made you start today's poem? Yeah. And in fact, it, it started back, um, I've been doing a daily today's poem, and I can state with confidence that I have never yet missed a day Amazing. since <laughs> late December of 2011. Wow. And, yeah. And in early December, um, late November, early December of 2011, an American writer that I followed a little bit on Twitter at that time was a fellow by the name of Alan Heathcock, wrote a piece for NPR Hmm. Um, and he's not a poet himself. He uh, is a novelist, um, but he wrote a little piece for NPR about that was basically a snapshot of a very harried morning when his wife was running in one direction. He was running in another direction. The dogs and the kids were running in different directions and bowls of cereal were getting spilled and kids were couldn't find their homework. And it was just a really harried morning. And he described stopping in the doorway between the kitchen and the dining room and just leaning against a bookshelf mm. and serving this this mayhem and pulling a book off the shelf and it was a poetry book and he just opened it up and read a poem 
and his blood pressure went down and <laughs> somehow they got the kids fed and clothed and out the door and just it solved his day wow so, yeah, so it's just this great piece on npr and i took it and i retweeted it mm-hmm. to um well i re- generally retweeted it and a bunch of people who I tended to have little Twitter conversations with at that time. One of them was Harvey Friedenberg, who's an American book reviewer. Um, I can't remember who some of the other people were. Um, all kind of jumped on my retweet of this and said, that is something you should do every day is take a moment before the day gets nutty and <laughs> read a poem, just anything, pull it off the shelf, pull it off the internet, do whatever. And I said, let's do that. And why don't we use a hashtag like, and I just quickly started searched what hashtags were being used for what. And today's poems seem to be sort of underutilized. Hmm. So <laughs> I said, why don't we take something like today's poem and I will challenge you half dozen or so people who are responding to this article and let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> and, and we did. And people have kind of come and gone over the years in terms of how frequently they use the hashtag. Um, Some of the original people I had the conversation with are still on Twitter, but don't have that daily practice anymore. But it just really fit for me. I I work from home. Um, I I mentioned before that um, my career to a certain point was as a a technical writer. I retired from that full-time world about 25 years ago and started my own firm doing web design and social media. And well, there wasn't social media, yeah. as we know, but 25 years ago, but, there was, yeah, but web design yeah. has, has yeah. evolved into you. You can't create a website without either being aware of or building into your web design scheme, yeah. Yeah. the kind of the, 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 the other aspects of your online presence Mm-hmm. that either depend on your website or should be um, outputs of your right. website. Anyhow, all to say, I work from home. I've got, I, I, I have a nine to five day. I sit down every day and I design web pages or I design Twitter campaigns or I write stuff for people for their, their online presence. And as I sat down at my computer every day, it was like before I jump into this WordPress problem or yeah. uh, whatever, I'm just going to stop and read a poem and I've been fortunate in my in in my the crossover between my professional career and my interests I have had some really interesting literary clients along the way I've designed websites for or coached people on social media who are authors and publishers and I've worked for a couple of literary prizes right um so that has helped me in my awareness of what's out there to be read, um, what is out there to be appreciated. Um, And it also, because one of those clients was the Griffin Poetry Prize and I worked for them for about 20 years. um, I have a lot of poetry, like write literally, I can just reach and pull poetry. (laughs) Um, So that was a great compliment to a practice that I think I would have pursued without, and in fact, well, yeah, and I would have pursued regardless of who I was working for professionally. It's it was it's a personal interest. Yeah, um, but so I've kept it up and it's a great yeah. way to kick off the day. That sounds that sounds great. I, I always I, I kick off the day by uh, tweeting uh, for bywords right, all the different events going on right in the in the cafe. Yeah, you do. That's my, that's my, and I always, I enjoy that because, um, well, because it's kind of nice to see and see, um, you know, what's going on in the city as far as the literary events and stuff. So yeah, that's my, but that is my daily practice. The other thing I started to do in July, actually, is I started to do some meditation as well. I've, I've been learning, meditation. but I do it with an app. I'm not visiting a temple and doing all the things that, you know. But so I use this app and it's really helping, but it's a similar idea. Basically, it causes you to focus on the now. It takes you away from your day, you know, whatever worries you may, or it starts you slowly into the day as well. So it's good. And whenever, sometimes when I do it, my blood pressure is lower because I I monitor my blood pressure as well. And right after I do that, the pulse part of my, of my pressure is usually lower. So, so yeah, I can see, I I think some of the poems I write might increase people's blood pressure. So (laughs) Fairly recommend that. <laughs> well, but you know what's interesting, Amanda, yeah. is what I put in front of me to read to start off my day isn't necessarily 
quiet and contemplative. No, no. It may be a kickstart. It may be I a see, shock. Yeah. It may be um, something kind of out of my comfort zone. But depending what book I pull off the shelf, or if I decide I'm just going to search on keywords or look in different places. And sometimes, even if it's not the point in the day when I'm going to be reading the poem, if if during the day I come across something you might, that yeah. I think would be interesting, I jot it down or I tuck it into a little notepad file or whatever to consider for, um, you know, next morning or something. Yeah, that, no, that makes sense. I've even seen you um, uh, also post song lyrics too. So I like yes. that because like it's something that I always think... Um, you know, there's some really beautifully written songs and, and for lyric. And I like to, I mean, they're poems. So, yeah, why not? They are too. Absolutely. I think yeah. you can definitely make a case for that. And I, and I do that regularly. I literally did that earlier this week. You may have yeah. noticed we were at Pavement <laughs> on Monday night and Pavement songs were in my head. So Pavement <laughs> lyric was my, my poem the next morning. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. So so how has it evolved and how many people, do you have any idea about how many people might take part? A Gosh, lot. That would be really interesting <laughs> to try to to consider. I mean, I, 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 I do my own today's poem practice every mm -hmm. morning. And then throughout the day, I will often click on the hashtag just to yeah. see who else has, has done something. And on a given day, half a dozen or a dozen people may use the hashtag and then I'm, I'm sure you know depending who has actually done that tweet if you look at levels of engagement like how many impressions of a given tweet have been looked at a given today's poem tweet of mine might get 100 or 500 or on a really good day a thousand impressions so that means a thousand well not necessarily a thousand people but that tweet's been looked yeah. at a thousand times Interesting. that makes me happy wow that that's really neat you you have also I, I like me you love lists i'm a list person i adore lists and one of the things you've done for um today's poem and i think also for the silent book club is is you've hand you have handwritten lists now what what what's the um allure of the handwritten list for you well, one very foundational handwritten list for me is when I graduated from university in 1983 mm -hmm. um, with a, a bachelor's in English from the University of Waterloo. Oh, I went what, to Waterloo. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Wow. I, I, 1986, uh, Bachelor of Arts in, in French, and then I did a master's in 1987 there. So we're just... Oh, wow. We just passed. Oh, just missed each other. Just missed each Years. other. Oh, wow. That's so cool. <laughs> so in 1983, I got a gift from a former roommate of mine. It was like a little diary. I could put in it whatever I wanted. And I decided that the, the first day after I graduated, I would use this book to keep track of my reading. And so it's a couple lines of entry for every book I've read since the spring of 1983. Wow. And I still have it. <laughs> so this is like 40 years later. Um, it, I probably average, it's probably a little more now than when I first started the book. But over that 40-year arc, let's say I average 50 or 60 books a year. That's that's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of books. And it's all handwritten. So you kind of see the evolution of my handwriting over that time, too. Um, a few years ago, the original hardcover cover was falling apart and the bindings were falling apart. And my husband took the book and he took it to a well-known book binder here in Toronto, Don Taylor. Wow. Yeah. Don Taylor does the specially bound volumes that the Griffin Poetry Prize shortlisted people get every year. So he's quite well known, quite the craftsman. So this is a really special gift. So I still have that book. And that is a list, a 40-year list of all my reading. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of <laughs> the ultimate life list for me. And from, yeah. from there, that propensity for, for building lists and writing and recording, because some of what I do as well, and you've seen this on today's poem, is sometimes if I've got a little extra time in the morning or I want to make a little extra time, in addition to reading and reflecting on the poem, I write it out. Yes. 
Yeah. And I actually started doing that only a few years ago when, again, as a gift, some friends gave me, this was a bigger hardcover book than, than my little book of books. Um, but they gave me this lovely um, notebook. And again, it was put in it what you want. And I decided I would fill it with some of my today's poem writing. And then wow. when the book was filled, I gave it back to the people who gave me the original oh, book. That's a nice idea too. Yeah. I like, yeah, I like writing things out. I mean, I, I have terrible handwriting. It's the worst, but um, I mean, even doctors have trouble reading my handwriting, which is something, but uh, I do like, I do like the process of writing. I do like it. Um, I do it uh, with real words and I do it with um, what's called a scenic writing, which is basically um uh, writing that um, is outside of existing languages, I guess, but still, um, yeah, so that's quite fun as well. But yeah, to, what do you think you get out of out of handwriting your lists and, and the, um, and the uh, poems or the today's poem? The today's poem stuff especially is um, giving me the time to slow down, to reflect, to really absorb the words. Hmm. Um, cause a lot of times I'll write a line or two and then read it and then a line or two and then read it. Um, I think that tactility has, I can't articulate why that makes more of a, it makes a literal impression on the page, but it makes more of an impression mentally as well. Those words are kind of Im impressed in your mind a little differently. And then like I, I said, I filled one notebook and, and gave it back to the people who gave me the original notebook. I did that again. I bought another notebook just like it, filled <laughs> it with poetry, and then I gave it to one of my silent book club friends. Oh, nice. Makes yeah. That's so quite I'm on my, my third book like that. And wow. when it's done, I, I'll, I'm going to give it to someone. That's so neat. It's, it's another way for me to do some poetry proselytizing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what what um what started your interest in I mean you did you 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 have a degree in English so I guess you you studied some poetry in in, in school but what what kind of um because that doesn't necessarily mean that one develops a love of something just because you studied school so what what prompted this love of of poetry do you think uh, in your perhaps a little bit um of being a little contrary. Um, poetry does seem to be a genre that is um, not as appreciated or people feel intimidated by it or mystified by it. And um, I like the challenge of going into words like that. And I, and I like thorny prose writers that are like yes, that as thorny well. Thorny writers are good too. Yeah. 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 If they challenge you a little bit and challenge how you interpret things. And that actually goes back to what I was saying before about continuing to practice and encourage your literacy. And sometimes that's done by getting out of your comfort zone and not making reading too easy a process. Yeah. That um, makes because then you come back from it, maybe frustrated at times, but ultimately more satisfied because you've challenged yourself. That's right. Yeah. And I know people go, go to reading for different things. And that's not to say if you want to read to escape or yeah. read to be lulled or read to be comforted by the familiar, that those aren't valid right. reasons to yeah. read to. Yeah. Whatever, as long as, yeah, for me, as, as long as I'm reading, I'm always reading a bunch of different things at the same time for various reasons. So yeah, I don't, I don't have one reason why I read. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't have one place where I read or one type of way that I read, especially now I'll read on my phone. I'll, I'll listen to something, uh, you know, I'll uh, not so much audio books, but um, a podcast or something, or I'll read on the web or I'll, you know, PDF or, or, or an actual physical book. Like they're just different. Like there, there are some ways for me to read everywhere I am, no matter yeah. where that's, that's important. Yeah. Um, so um, what books are you looking forward to in your company? Well, interestingly, and a lot of this comes from the silent book club. Yeah. Um, I, I do always keep an eye to, you know, the, the newer things that are coming down the pike. Yeah. I'm a, a great proponent of um, supporting 
authors and publishers by pre-ordering stuff yeah. that's the pike and i did a lot more of that actually during the pandemic as books were announced in here <laughs> i pre-ordered through some of the independent bookstores in our um area here in, in toronto so it was supporting the bookseller supporting the publisher supporting the writer and then what was great too is a lot of times i pre-order stuff and then forget about yeah, it totally yeah. and then it's a lovely prize surprise for you in the future <laughs> so i still do a lot of that but i i actually um both in my wanderings on social media and just when bright shiny things sort of um catch my eye and also through the silent book club because the silent book club is often a great um source of information about books i might might have missed the first time around yeah. is that a lot of times i'm maintaining a list of oh i have to get this either from the library or i want to purchase it and it isn't necessarily a first run book but so i actually jotted down a few things that i'm that are on my list of I, I have to get this or in one case one is ordered and it's sitting in a bookstore and I just have to go and get ah. it it's waiting for me <laughs> and, and that's um Straggle by Tannis McDonald yes yeah I have that yeah, yeah. yeah. oh you oh you have it so and well I I, I it's, you know this is how I read I read a, a little bit of one book and then I read a little bit of another so I've read a little bit of it and enjoyed it so far and especially because um you know, there's part of it is, is definitely she's writing about um, where she is living in, in the, the wilds of, well, wilds of Waterloo, but, you know, some of the, it's that area. So, yeah, it's nice to, nice to hear about that. Yeah. And yeah, I love everything walking, right? So, I walk. Yeah, well, and I actually am so inspired by Tannis in her work. Uh, a few years ago when she launched um, her collection, um, Mobile. Yeah, Mobile. I love that. That's a beautiful book. Yeah. She yeah. did a little walking tour in the Don Valley of one of the locations that inspired some of her Jane Jacobs poems. And yeah. it was such a fun day because a bunch of us met at um, Broadview and Danforth at the Broadview subway station. We yeah. walked down through Riverdale and got onto this Don wow. Valley trail. And then when we got to this, this setting that had inspired some of her poems, she stood there under the Bloor Viaduct and read from it. It was so amazing. That's great. I am full of envy about that. I am full of envy. <laughs> it was an amazing day. Actually, I wrote a little bit about that on my blog. I can send you a link to the story because, again, I got some great pictures of it as well. Lovely. But, so I'm looking forward to Straggle. Um, a recommendation from um, my book club friend in Wales, and I think this won the cost of first book prize, is called Open Water by Caleb... Azuma Nelson hmm. just sounds really interesting um, and then a book by Warren Ellis who oh, is yeah. a bandmate and collaborator of Nick Caves mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's got a book called Nina Simone's Gum that just oh, sounds quite intriguing yeah just the title alone <laughs> um, but the fact that that he coming from his more musically oriented background has um a book that just it just sounds intriguing so those are are a few that are on my list right. to to acquire get to find at the library whatever <laughs> and, and what are you currently reading i am i am currently reading um small game hunting at the local coward gun club by megan gail coles right and i'm finding it really really intriguing um it, it and it's challenging me in ways that that maybe like part of when we talk about losing your reading mojo or something really yeah. clicking with you or maybe not really clicking with you, I'm finding like I'm about, I'm about 50 pages into it and the characters seem a little murky. And I don't know if it's because I'm just reading it late at night and falling asleep and not really right. getting my purchase yet in, in the book, but it, it's drawing me in. The characters just seem really fascinating. Have you read it? I, I started it and I, I haven't been able to, but I, I started, this is a few years back. I started as soon as it came out because I was very excited about it, but I, I haven't been able to get into it either, but it's there waiting for me to get back into. I have found sometimes I, I have found books that I, I haven't gotten into at first and then I'll read them later. Like an example that's away by Jane Urquhart. I, at first I could not, I, well, I tried to read it and I set it aside and the, for whatever reason, so much later I, I it could have even been a decade later i picked it up and i loved it like i really got into it isn't that interesting how that yeah. happens that the that the words find you at the right time 
And sometimes they're not there for you at other times. That's and it. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading that, the Megan Gale Coles, and I also have right next to it. And I thought um, tomorrow would be a good day to crack open the cover for it on the National Truth and Reconciliation Day. Oh, I'm going yeah. to read, read uh, Braiding Sweetgrass, oh, great. which many people in my silent book club have read and praised. That's good. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't read it yet, but uh, you're right. Tomorrow would be a good day to go to. Uh, we have a local bookstore um, here called Perfect Books. It has a really good Indigenous collection, so maybe stopping by there would be a good idea if I have time after yeah. class. That's a good idea. That's great. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before I do the note of praise? This is my hallmark for the podcast. Oh my goodness. Well, no, I, I have so enjoyed talking to you, Amanda, and I hope I've said some useful things here that, that others might find interesting, but basically um, it's been wonderful to, to share with a writer and a fellow reader our enthusiasms as we... <laughs> Oh, no, it's great to talk to you. And I and I will make sure to put up all the links and things like that as well, so that people can go and read about the Silent Book Club and today's poem and all and see the photos and everything else and the list. So that's great. So here's a note of praise. In Vicki Ziegler's book Gaga blog and her social media feeds, her love of reading and community shine through. The Silent Book Club is for every reader and every book. It opens rather than closes conversations and inspires curiosity and friendship. Through bookgaga.com, Vicki writes reports, posts photos of the Silent Book Club meetings, and compiles lists of books read by members while also exploring various book-related topics such as drinks, pairing, other people's reading lists such as Barack Obama's summer reading list, and stand-up routines about ancient Greek and Roman figures. It's ba basically a bibliophile's paradise. Today's poem, which began in 2011, is another wonderful way in which Vicki gathers community through her own practice of reading poetry daily and encouraging others to do the same. I often, I'm often struck by a snippet of poetry shared by those who post by the hashtag to the hashtag today's poem on Twitter, and it inspires me to look up the work in poet. This is an example of the good that can be done through social media. So that's my that's my note of praise for your for your practices, and uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks to Jennifer Peterson for the intro and outro, to Charles Earl for processing, and to all of you for listening and sharing the episodes each month. Stay tuned to uh, for future episodes with Ethel Zine and Hemp Press in 2020, plus another episode in our ongoing poetic series in December, and a whole new thread I'll announce later for 2023. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. This has been amazing. Thank you for listening to The Small Machine Talks. The Small Machine.